Hi, welcome to the Gallipod with me, Gallipacidia. In this episode, I'm reading chapters 9 through 12 of my story, The Bucket List. If you're not here for dreary fanfic, you're in the wrong place. Content warning, this story does contain themes of terminal illness, but it also has a happy ending. I hope you enjoy The Bucket List. Chapter 9. Number 188. Bungee Jump. What will these muggles think of next? In the morning, he felt physically better, but mentally worse. He was in love with Harry. All those afternoons chatting to him without the weight of history warping their chemistry had shown Draco a man he thought was frankly wonderful. He liked how earnest Harry was, how readily he trusted Lamarack, how willing he was to take Lamarack's advice. Draco liked being needed and trusted and believed in. He liked being helpful. It was such an unfamiliar adjective. Draco liked Harry's goodness, liked how devoted he was to Teddy, liked that Harry understood Draco's sense of humour, when he was Lamarack at least, liked that he happily, easily entered into banter and jokes, even at his own expense. Draco just liked Harry. He liked him, and he loved him. But Harry would never, ever think of him that way. His dark mark felt heavy and disgusting on his arm. He dressed in one of his muggle suits. It no longer really fit him. His body made him sad. He put it out of his mind and apparated painfully to the cinema. Seven sat outside. Draco had been worried he wouldn't be there. I fell in love with him, said Draco. Seven looked up in surprise. Where did you come from? Magic, said Draco glumly. He sat on the ground next to Seven and pulled his knees to his chest. I only went and fucking fell in love with him, didn't I? Your twatty friend, asked Seven. The very same. He came asking for you, said Seven. I told him about how you gave me seventy pounds. He didn't seem to think much of you. I have a bit of a bad track record, said Draco. He paused. I almost killed his best friend once, among other things. Sounds like you should find someone else to fall in love with. You haven't got long now, have you? Draco looked in his wallet and pulled out four twenty-pound notes. Before I forget, he said, giving them to Seven. Thanks, mate. I fell in love with him and he doesn't love me back, said Draco. He'll never love me back. You're so young, said Seven, in wonder. I don't think I was ever that young. The world clicked into humour. It did that sometimes, had done ever since the war ended. Could be worse, said Draco, cheerfully. There could be a sort of magic, snaky Nazi wizard forcing me to torture my father's friends. Seven looked concerned. Yeah? He said, I guess that would be worse. Draco laughed. It definitely would be. He laughed and laughed. Imagine, Seven, just imagine, if I had to murder someone or be murdered myself, that would be so much worse than being in love with Harry Potter. You're kind of a weird guy, Draco. Draco closed his eyes. How dare you, he said faintly. I'll have you know I've been lauded for my normality. Lauded, I tell you. Siggy, offered Seven, clearly at a loss for words. Draco laughed again. And risk cancer? I would never. Are you okay, mate? asked Seven. Fine, fine, said Draco. My headache stopped. It feels marvellous. Just let me lean my head on your shoulder, would you? He didn't wait for a response. His head drooped onto Seven's shoulder and Draco fell asleep. It happened so instantly that he almost didn't realise it had happened when he woke up. Draco, said Seven, shaking him. Come on, mate, wake up. Draco opened one eye, blearily. Hmm? It's been an hour. Just checking you haven't died on me, said Seven. I have to go, said Draco. Seven helped him stand. I may not see you again. He bowed his head. This is hard. I didn't expect it all to be so hard. Chin up, said Seven. You're here now. Draco nodded. Yes, he said. Yeah, that counts for a lot. He and Seven shook hands. You sure about the money? asked Seven. Draco nodded. Thanks for listening to me complain, he said, and disapparated, statute of secrecy be damned. Harry was rapidly becoming obsessed with Lamarack toujours. Lamb said, Harry, we know what Lamb said. You've told us eight times, said Ron. Just fuck him and be done with it. You know, 
I'm almost certain he's queer, said Harry, as if he was imparting important new information rather than voicing his pet theory for the third time that pub night. I can't help but feel your relationship with him can't progress until he tells you a bit more about himself, said Hermione. Yeah, said Harry. I know, I know, he paused. I think he might be lying about being straight, Ron groaned into his pint glass. Luna was no more helpful. I'm sorry, Harry. He's very private. I just want to know a bit more about him, said Harry. Was he at Hogwarts? He'll have to tell you himself, Harry. Luna fixed him with her big round eyes. But his heart's in the right place, and he's going through a hard time. Try to remember that. Yeah, said Harry. I know he's been a bit under the weather recently. Everyone's bloody ill. Did you hear that Draco Malfoy is dying? Yes, said Luna calmly. He told me. He told you? When? Oh, ages ago, said Luna. We're quite good friends, you know. He kept you prisoner in his manor for a year. We've moved past that, said Luna. He wrote me such a nice letter after the war. Harry snorted. Yeah, I got one of those too. Dear Potter, it's time for your apology letter. Strap in. Sorry, number one, for making fun of your parents being dead. A bit of a low blow, that. Number two, for trying to get you expelled in first year and every year after that, although you didn't always notice. A lot of my schemes didn't work out. Number three, for dressing up as a Dementor and coming to your match, although that was objectively hilarious. Number four, for making those badges in fourth year, although again, it was quite funny. Maybe you don't think so yet. Give it time. Number five, I probably shouldn't have blabbed about you to the press so often in fourth year. See, at the time I thought there was nothing better than having your name in the newspapers, so it seemed relatively harmless as pranks go. Now that my own name is in newspapers quite a lot, and needless to say, they never pick the photographs I've sent them when my hair looks glorious, I feel a pang of guilt about my brief friendship with Rita Skeeter. Number six, for being a bit, shall we say, tactless? About things like Hermione Granger's risk of being killed by the heir of Slytherin, or Cedric Degree's untimely demise. As explanation, I can only offer that I have historically believed myself to be funny. Don't laugh. I know better now. Number seven, the Inquisitorial Squad. In retrospect, it was a bit wanky, wasn't it? Number eight, the events of the war, including sixth year in its entirety. I believe that covers the basics. Happy to grovel further at your discretion. Thanks for saving the world, etc. Sincerely, Draco L. Malfoy. Oh, so you know, said Luna, that he spent the last few years soul-searching. <sighs> That's really not what I got from his letter, said Harry. Luna looked at him with a peculiar expression. You mustn't mistake his humour for callousness, she said. Look, I'm, I'm not here to talk about Draco Malfoy. I'm here to ask about Lamarack. Luna shook her head again. I've told you all I can, Harry. But Harry was going mad. He thought about Lamarack constantly. He wanted to kiss him and touch him so badly it felt like a compulsion. He'd never felt this way about anyone before. When he arrived at their coffee shop the next day, it was unexpectedly busy. Lamarack was leaning against a counter, scanning for a table. There wasn't one. Why don't we go to my place, said Harry. It's near. Lamarack hesitated. I'm not trying to pick you up or whatever, Harry hastened to add. No, no. It's just private, isn't it? I don't want you to regret showing me. Harry raised his eyebrows. Chill out, Lam, yeah? Just come over for a cup of tea. All right, said Lamarack. Lamarack was clearly deeply uncomfortable in Grimmauld Place. He kept looking around as if he recognised the place and then lowering his eyes quickly to his hands. How have you been? asked Harry. How's your health? Good today, thanks, said Lamarack. I've been all right. Had a bit of a weird night. What happened? asked Harry. Fought with one friend, slept with another. Harry swallowed a mouthful of tea that was far too hot. It burned the back of his throat. Oh, right, he said. Lamrack gave him a knowing look. It was a mistake, he said. I didn't finish. Oh, right, said Harry, much happier. Are you okay? What was the fight about? Lamrack shook his head. Pass. Lam, just leave it, Harry, please. Yeah, okay, said Harry. There was an awkward silence. You know what's sad about the whole Draco Malfoy thing, said Harry, to change the subject. Lamrack didn't answer, so Harry plunged on. He's on probation, so he can't travel. 
He'll never get to go to Petra or to Cairo. He's always wanted to go. How do you know that? Everyone knows he's on probation, said Harry. No, said Lamarack. I mean, how do you know about Petra and Cairo? Oh, said Harry. He wasn't sure how, in truth. It was just part of his store of Malfoy information, like how Malfoy took his tea, although he'd quit caffeine because of his illness, and what food he liked, and his birthday. Stuff like that. Normal stuff. Everyone knows that about Malfoy. It's like general Draco knowledge. Lamarack looked unconvinced. Harry decided to move on. I've also been thinking about how he keeps asking me out on dates. I thought he was doing it, like, to piss off his mum or something, or just to prove a point, I don't know. But I think it must have been on his bloody bucket list. I think he might actually want to go on a date with me. You talk about him quite a lot, Harry. Harry waggled his eyebrows. Are you jealous of Draco, Lam? Lamarack laughed so hard and so long that it triggered a horrific coughing fit. Harry had to fetch him a glass of water. That's never happened before, said Lamarack somberly. You okay? Yeah, said Lamarack. Uh, listen, maybe you should go on a date with Draco. See if there's anything there. Harry shook his head. I'm not interested in him. There's a difference between pitying someone and liking them. Lamarack flashed Harry a quick, pained smile. Good point, he said. He checked his watch. I should get going. Okay, said Harry, disappointed. He led Lamarack to his flu. He wasn't sure what he had said wrong. Did Lamarack want him to date Draco so that Harry would stop hitting on him? When they got to the fireplace, Harry was suddenly aware that they were alone and standing closer together than they ever had before. I really like you, Lam, whispered Harry. I know you don't want me to, but I do. Lamarack's breath huffed out in a jagged sigh and he leant his forehead against Harry's. All the highlight of my week, Harry. Harry smiled. Their noses were touching, and then their lips were touching because Lamarack was kissing him. Lamarack? Lamarack had kissed him. Harry kissed hungrily back, but it was over long before Harry was ready. Shit, said Lamarack. I'm so sorry, I, I didn't mean to take advantage. What are you talking about, said Harry. I've been dying to kiss you for months. There's so much you don't know about me, said Lamarack, stepping away from him, his fingers nervously playing with the buttons on his shirt. It's not fair to you. Lam, said Harry, putting his hand on Lamarack's left forearm. I know you. I respect you. There's nothing I could learn about you that would change that. Chapter 10. Number 141. Get an eyebrow piercing? There's nothing I could learn about you that would change that, finished Draco. The gathered Slytherins went wild. Pansy made out with Astoria. Blaze kissed Draco on the mouth. Millicent made loud whooping noises. I knew it, cried Daphne. Then what did you say? asked Pansy eagerly. I came back here to tell you guys, said Draco. A stony silence fell. You what? asked Millicent. I panicked, garbled something about a prior commitment and fled the premises. The gathered Slytherins were vocal in their disapproval. I know, said Draco, ducking as Millicent threw one of his own slippers at his head. I know. When are you going to tell him? asked Pansy. I don't... I don't know if I will, said Draco. There was a pause. Then Pansy stood. Right. Everyone out. Now. Although the others protested, Pansy was adamant, going so far as to drag Blaze out by his feet. Astoria helped. When they had all gone, Pansy locked Draco's bedroom door and put up several privacy spells before turning to him. Explain, she said. It's not going to happen, Pans, said Draco, sinking to sit on the bed. He's never going to love me as Draco Malfoy. He knows I've changed. It doesn't matter to him. I can tell him, but it won't save my life. And it will fuck him up. Only someone who knew Pansy very well would have known how distressed she was. Her voice was calm and steady. How will it fuck him up? Because then... His friend Lamarack will die. And he's lost too many people, Pans. I've lost people too, said Pansy in a low voice. I can make him believe Lamarack is returning to France or something. That's stupid and you know it, said Pansy. It's hard enough as it is, said Draco, louder, less controlled than he had meant to. He forced himself to be calm. It's hard enough to be dying and in unrequited love and in pain. It's hard enough without him rejecting me. Pansy sat next to him and wrapped her arms around him. If there's even the smallest chance, Draco, you have to tell him. 
for me, for your mother. I don't think there is, wept Draco, and there was no hiding it. His voice wasn't fine. He wasn't fine. I don't, I don't want to die, Pansy. I don't. I, I'm so scared. I'm so... He couldn't speak any more. He cried and cried in Pansy's arms, and she didn't say a word about how boring he was being. Later, as they lay in bed together, bitching about Daphne's new haircut, Draco apologised. I'm hideously embarrassed, he said. By the crying, or by how long it's been since you washed your sheets, asked Pansy. I washed them less than a week ago. A likely story, said Pansy. I am cleanliness itself, said Draco. Pansy stroked his hair out of his face. It was thinner, lanker than it used to be. You're not actually embarrassed, are you? It was dark, so he could tell the truth. I didn't mean to lose control like that, he said. He felt Pansy not. I'm going to tell Harry if you don't, she said. Draco was not surprised. He had expected something like this. I've still got three months, he said. I don't have to tell him yet. Maybe by the time Harry found out, Draco would be too ill to notice any further heartbreak. A little under three months. You're running out of time, Draco. Give me one more month, said Draco. Okay, said Pansy. And in exchange, you have to tell Daphne that her hair makes her look as if she's wearing a fur helmet. That's not quite it, said Draco. There's something about the way it's been cut that makes her look a little sloth-like. Yes, said Pansy, just like a sloth. They're rather sweet, sloths, said Draco, trying to be fair. True, but I wouldn't want to fuck one, said Pansy. Ah, unlike me, said Draco. Number three, fuck a sloth. Sloths everywhere will rejoice at your passing. Crumbs, Pansy, I'm not a monster. Only loving, consensual sloth intercourse. (laughs) On that note, said Pansy, I'm going to bed. Stay, said Draco, before he could stop himself. He found himself waking up in the night and feeling uncomfortably existential lately. Pansy, because she was perfect, did not say anything. She just lay back down and said, Good night, then and fell asleep. So then he just left, said Hermione. Yeah, said Harry. Said something about not wanting to take advantage, and then he scarpered. What a weird guy, said Ron. I tried sending him an owl, but it couldn't find him. Maybe Lamarack isn't his real name, said Hermione. Yeah, maybe, sighed Harry. I guess I'll see him at Luna's next event. Try to put him out of your mind, Harry, said Hermione. So Harry did. He got back to work on his pet project, getting Draco Malfoy's probation shortened. Draco had taken a turn for the worse. He still came to visit Teddy and Andromeda, but he spent his visits lying on the sofa. Harry took to coming at the same time as him so that he could play with Teddy nearby. He knew it cheered Draco up to hear Teddy, even though he could no longer entertain him himself. I'm hungry, announced Teddy abruptly. I want raisins. He stood and left the room. Draco chuckled loosely from the sofa. Raisins, he said. He's really living it up. Harry went to sit on the floor next to the sofa. How are you feeling? he asked. Bloody awful, said Draco. I feel like cutting my head off at ache so much. I doubt that would help. Might solve a problem or two. Messy, though. True, said Draco, with a soft laugh. Wouldn't want to inconvenience anyone. Harry wasn't sure why he did it. It certainly wasn't something he had planned on doing. But he reached up behind his head, took Draco's hand, and squeezed it. Draco squeezed back. If there's anything I can do, you'll let me know, yeah? said Harry. Draco started to laugh, then began coughing, a horrible wheezing cough that sounded as if it hurt. Thanks, Potter, he said in a raspy voice, when he could talk. Would you get my mother? Sure, said Harry, and went to fetch her from the kitchen. Harry took particular care dressing for Luna's next event, but he needn't have bothered. Lamarack wasn't there. Something came up, said Luna. Harry thought he knew what had come up, his anxiety about kissing Harry. Since he had only ever made plans with Lamarack in person, he was at a loose end. He redoubled his effort to shorten Draco's probation. It was no doing. Kingsley was adamant that the rules had to be stuck to. But Harry needled away until Kingsley agreed that Draco might be allowed to travel out of the country for one day under aura supervision. It was better than nothing. Draco looked exceptionally miserable when Harry found him in Andromeda's that afternoon. Teddy was with Andromeda in the kitchen, and Draco was alone in the upstairs sitting room, languishing under about eight blankets. All right, Draco, asked Harry. Teddy's scared of me, said Draco. No, he's not. 
He is. I was hacking up a lung in here and he burst into tears and retreated like the Allied forces at Dunkirk. He just doesn't like seeing you suffer, said Harry. This didn't seem to cheer Draco at all. I shouldn't be so bloody obvious about it then. Socrates was always charming, even when he was sick. Harry froze. What did you just say? Draco looked at him sharply. Oh, don't tell me you don't know that anecdote, Potter, he drawled, aggressively posh all of a sudden. Everyone educated knows about Socrates and his stoicism. No, I... I knew it, said Harry, slowly. Draco tried to sit up and was seized with another terrible coughing fit. He held a white handkerchief to his mouth, and when he was done it was splattered with scarlet drops of blood. Draco observed them with interest. That can't be good, he remarked, showing Harry the handkerchief. He widened his eyes dramatically. Do know. I think I might be coming down with something. Harry laughed, and Draco's face softened with pleasure. I have good news for you, said Harry. Oh? I got permission for you to leave the country. Only for one day, and I have to go with you, but still. What do you want to see? Cairo or Petra? I doubt we can do both. Draco stared at him blankly. You did what? I just had a chat with Kingsley. It wasn't any trouble, lied Harry. It had, in fact, been a great deal of trouble. And you're... you're coming with me? It was one of the stipulations, said Harry. Are you asking me out on a date, Harry? asked Draco sarcastically. Harry took a deep breath. Sure. What? It's on your bucket list, right? To go on a date with me? Draco's eyes hardened. Something like that. It's good of you to take pity on me, Potter. Harry didn't bother denying it. So, Petra or Cairo? Petra, said Draco. Soon, though, I'm not sure how much longer I'll be able to, well, do anything, really. Tomorrow? It's a date, said Draco. Watch out, Potter, I'm extremely... He coughed up more blood. (coughs) Seductive. I'll be on guard, said Harry, laughing. Pansy tried to fix his hair, and Astoria insisted that he take the cough suppressant potion, even though each time he used it it became less effective. None of your clothes fit you, said Pansy. Draco shrugged. He was brimming with an uncomfortable sort of anticipation that felt very similar to anxiety. Well, you're still handsome, said Astoria, in a gaunt, morbid way. Maybe I should get an eyebrow piercing, said Draco. It wouldn't heal, said Pansy, which was true. Draco's immune system was so bad these days that even a paper cut took weeks to close up. I've packed you a potions case, said Astoria. Pepper up, more cough suppressant, headache potion, a general painkiller. I'm just going for the day. I'm not opening up a chemist's. Just take it, said Astoria. Thanks, said Draco. He frowned. Not looking forward to the portkey. How's the magical sensitivity? Worse than ever. Aren't I good at suffering in silence? If by silence you mean constant, uninterrupted whinging, said Pansy. The flu flared up. Fucking fuck, said Draco, gritting his teeth. And Harry stepped out. Hey, he said. Oh, hello, Pansy, Astoria. Pansy and Astoria nodded at him. His smile faltered at their forbidding expressions. Right, uh, shall we go? I have the portkey here. Draco stood, shouldered his potions case, and nodded. I'm ready, he said. Chapter 11. Number 20. Visit the treasury at Petra. The treasury? Where they kept the treasure? Draco looked better than he had in ages. He walked around the pale pink buildings carved into stone with bright eyes, tugging frequently at Harry's sleeve to give him snippets of information. That's Al Kazanair, he said excitedly. The treasury! It's bigger than I thought. God, there's nothing like this in Britain. Nothing at all. The sights were impressive, but Harry watched Draco more than anything else. Draco flew through the ancient city with a fierce joy that made Harry more than ever conscious of his own apathy. But after a few hours, Draco began to flag. Do you want to rest for a bit? asked Harry. No, said Draco grouchily, but I think I'll have to. They found a lonely little building and perched on a stone ledge. Harry had brought sandwiches. Draco peeled his apart and ate the ham very, very slowly. I haven't got much of an appetite, he explained. Do you want my ham? offered Harry. Draco smiled lecherously. Is that what the kids are calling it these days? Harry laughed. 
<laughs> you know, I always assumed you were popular in school because you were rich and people were scared of your father. It never occurred to me you might actually be funny. Draco observed him for a long moment. I was popular because I was rich and people were scared of my father. No one actually liked me back then, except for poor old Vince and Greg. But that's changed, said Harry. Well, Greg certainly doesn't like me anymore, said Draco dryly. You're always off on adventures with your Slytherin friends. They seem to like you a lot. Draco munched on some ham with a thoughtful look. I've had a good run of it, he said. I was so sure I would die when I was sixteen. Instead I got all these extra years, and now I'm here in Petra. Harry smiled. That's a lovely way to think of it, he said. I'm famously lovely, pronounced Draco. I died, you know, during the war, said Harry. I beg your pardon? Harry explained about the forest, the train station, Dumbledore. Draco seemed particularly interested in the concept of going on. Why did you choose to come back? he asked. Because I had things I wanted to do, said Harry, and Draco fell silent. Draco had so many things he wanted to do. Harry knew he couldn't possibly have got through more than half his list. It's not your fault, said Draco, that I was cursed. I know, said Harry, surprised. It wouldn't have made a difference if you had done more. It might have, said Harry. I could have publicly endorsed you or something. You did. You spoke at my trial. Right, but, you know, socially, said Harry. It's been a bit of a journey to get me down to an acceptable level of twattishness, said Draco. Right after the war I was a bit better, but I was still a prick. He frowned. I'm sorry about my apology letter. I should have... I was sincere, you know, but it, it's hard for me to... to say what I mean sometimes. He seemed to have lost his words. Luna said not to mistake your humour for callousness, said Harry. Did she? asked Draco, sounding pleased. Well, I'm afraid callousness is one of my flaws. But I meant my apology. That is, I mean the apology. He looked at his hands. I'm sorry. You know I wasn't trying to kill you in Sicthia, yeah? Draco went very still. I realised that recently, he said. I'm sorry, said Harry. It's Scar, didn't it? Draco nodded. They've started reopening because my life is a nightmare. Oh, God, said Harry. Yes, said Draco grimly. Turned on yet? Harry laughed. Nearly. Tell me more about how my mistakes have haunted you for years and caused you untold pain and I'll probably come. Draco bit his lip and moaned sexually. An American tourist passing by paused to look at him. Draco winked and the tourist hurried away, scandalised. Harry and Draco caught each other's eyes and laughed. Thank you for doing this. Draco gestured around him at the stone building. Yeah, of course, said Harry. I tried to get them to shorten your probation, but... Why are you helping me? Is it because of Teddy? No, it's... Harry stalled. I don't know, I, I wanted to. Draco stared at him, then slowly, purposefully rolled up his sleeves. The dark mark bruised across his forearm. It provoked a visceral reaction in Harry, like seeing maggots seething in a dead body. He flinched and looked away. Next to him, Draco rolled his sleeves back down, nodding to himself as if he had just won an argument. You don't have to, said Harry. It's hot, you can keep your sleeves rolled up, I know it's there. You shouldn't have to look at it, said Draco. He killed your parents. Harry didn't know how to respond to that, so he cast about for something to say. Why do you want to go on a date with me anyway? So that you'd fall madly in love with me, of course, said Draco, lightly. Is it working? He glanced quickly up at Harry, and suddenly Harry knew. He had seen that look many times before, in the eyes of a girl he'd been partnered with in aura training, on a healer he'd been to a lot for a few years, on a girl he'd dated for nearly six months when he was twenty. It was the look Ginny had had, when he had told her they had to break up so he could hunt horcruxes. Draco Malfoy was in love with him. Harry was filled with pity and... disappointment. Draco didn't know him well enough to fall for him. People fell in love with Harry all the time because he had saved the world, but it had never occurred to him that Draco might fall prey to that. Then again, Draco had always been attracted to the powerful. Perhaps it wasn't surprising that he wanted whatever Harry symbolised. It's not working quite yet, no, said Harry gently. 
Oh well, give it time, said Draco. If we keep on going on dates for a few more years, you'll probably go quite mad for me. Shall we have another look around the city? asked Harry. Draco nodded, but when he stood he gave a cry of pain and his hands flew to his head. Oh, he said, and he sounded briefly as if he was going to cry. Oh, it hurts. There must be some pain potion around in here, said Harry, frantically looking through Draco's potion cases. I took it all, said Draco. Oh, it hurts. He dug his hands into his eyes. Draco, said Harry, frightened. What do you want? What can I do? Oh, God, it hurts, said Draco again. Do you want, do you want water? Sit down. Are you okay? But Draco just stood there, pushing his wrists into his eyes, saying, It hurts. Oh, oh, it hurts. Until Harry thought he'd go mad with helplessness. Let me take you home, said Harry, and this seemed to get through to Draco. But we haven't seen half of it, he said, his voice taut with pain. I'll never get another chance, and we haven't seen half of it. I don't know what to do, said Harry, wildly. Draco took several deep, shuddering breaths and slowly lowered his hands from his face. Let's go home, he said. Are you... are you sure? Draco's eyes flickered desperately around him as if he was trying to fix the beauty of the stone city in his head, and he nodded. How's the pain? asked Harry. It comes in waves, said Draco. It just went away a while, but it'll come back worse. Okay, I'll take you home then. Harry started to get the port key out of his pocket, but then he paused. Would you like me to kiss you? Draco seemed to war with himself for a few seconds, and Harry could well imagine that his pride was battling with his infatuation, before nodding. Okay, said Harry. He put his hands on Draco's waist, tilted his head, and kissed him. It was a much nicer kiss than he expected. Draco was good at this, he realised. It felt familiar, comfortable. Draco pulled away first. It's starting to hurt again, he said, not meeting Harry's eye. We should go. It was abundantly clear that someone had miscalculated how much time Draco had left. He spent the next few days in agony, clutching his head and wishing it would end. Finally, Blaze and Millicent gave him opium. The pain lingered but far away as if it was at the other end of a long tunnel. It was enough of a reprieve for Pansy and his mother to take him to St Mungo's. He should have over two months left, Pansy told the healer. That was an estimate, said the healer, casting diagnostic spells. Draco was cheerful and glassy-eyed, fading in and out of reality. I would give him a month at most. He's deteriorating fast. The healer gave him vials of high-strength pain reliever, but warned Pansy and his mother, Draco was not in an estate to take warnings very seriously, that it would have diminishing returns. He took it that afternoon when the opium wore off. It was a miracle. Whereas the opium clouded his senses, the magical pain reliever left him feeling not quite whole, but at least as well as he had two months before. He could think straight again, and with his sanity recovered, he knew what he had to do next. He didn't have a way to contact Harry as Lamarack, so he went to see Luna. He took the tube, texting Jack when he had signalled to pass the time. Books were beyond him. He had read twenty off his list of fifty. He tried not to think about it. Draco. I've been sick. Jack. Mate, that sucks. Draco. Yeah. Jack. One time I chundered on my dad. Draco. What is chundered? Jack. Lol. Luna was happy to see him. He had been too sick to make the last event, and she filled him in as she made him a glass of hot water and lemon. He looked around her comfortable kitchen, wondering if he would ever see it again. He had passed so many pleasant hours there in the past few months, planning parties. You seem better, she said. I'm worse, said Draco, frankly. I won't be able to do any more events. Oh, said Luna. I'm so sorry. I wanted to discuss what will happen after. Yes, of course. I want the events to continue. I suggest you hire a party planner. I've made a list of recommended planners here. I've also put some ideas down for events, along with locations you could hire, guest lists. He handed her a notebook. It was filled with parties he would never be able to attend. Thank you, said Luna. I've made you something too. She gave him a truly hideous scarf made out of old bottle caps. He held it like a snake and tried to smile. Thank you, he said politely and put it around his neck. It's the thought that counts, he reminded himself. I'll tell everyone how wonderful you've been, Draco, said Luna. I could start now if you like. No, said Draco. No, wait until after. Thank you.
Harry is going to miss you, said Luna softly. He'll miss Lamarack, said Draco. He fidgeted with the bottle caps. I'm going to tell him now. That's very brave of you. Well, you know me, Draco Malfoy the brave. Luna nodded seriously. Yes, she said. I thought I could flew into his house from here. Doesn't the flu hurt you? I can stand it right now, I think. Luna helped him glamour himself into Lamarack. He felt his body thicken and fill out. Lamarack hadn't wasted away from illness as Draco had. The glamour stung. Will I see you again? asked Luna. I don't really do goodbyes, said Draco. Luna gave him a tight hug. It hurt. Pansy had bandaged up the bleeding scars on his chest, but they were still sore. See you around, Draco, said Luna. Stay weird, Luna, she smiled at him. She was always smiling. It was helpful, it made it easier for him to smile back. He stepped into her fireplace and steeled himself for the wave of pain. Chapter 12. Number 38. Eat and drink like Henry the fucking eighth. Harry was going over some old case files in his sitting room when Lamarack stepped out of his fireplace. Lam! Hello, Harry. What are you doing here? Hello. Is this a good time? Yeah, yeah, of course. Come sit. Can I get you anything? Lamarack lipped his lips nervously. Oh, uh, water? Yeah, of course, said Harry. Lamarack followed him to the kitchen. He hovered anxiously by the kitchen table, fiddling with a bizarre plastic bottle scarf around his neck. Luna give that to you? asked Harry. I have to tell you something, said Lamarack. Look, I'm sorry about the kiss, said Harry. Lamarack shook his head, frowning. No, listen, he said. But then he began to cough. It was by far the worst he had ever sounded. In fact, thought Harry, it sounded like Draco. Lamarack took out a white handkerchief and held it to his mouth as he hacked and wheezed. The handkerchief was stained with dark brown spots. Luna was friends with them both. Socrates. I'm not sure I'm the right person for you to talk to about this, when Harry used him to process his feelings about Draco dying. The way his face had drained of colour when Harry described how Lucius Malfoy had been murdered. The fact that Draco Malfoy was in love with him even though they hadn't spent enough time together for it to make sense. Draco Malfoy rolling up his sleeve to show his dark mark and nodding to himself when Harry balked. Shit, I'm so sorry I didn't mean to take advantage when Lamarack kissed him. Harry stroked Lamarack? Draco? Absently on the back as he coughed. When the fit started to pass, Harry passed him a glass of water, which Lamarack, or Draco, gratefully accepted. You're sick, said Harry. Yes. You're really sick? Yes. You're dying? Yes. Harry paused. Draco, he said. Lamarack's eyes widened and he nodded. Harry took out his wand and pointed it at him. Finitin cantatum, he said, and Lamarack melted away. His brown hair lightened to white, becoming thin and stringy. The pigment faded from his eyes, leaving behind only grey, and dark circles crept under them. His face became sharper, gaunter, prettier, and his body skeletal. Harry knew what Draco Malfoy looked like, but watching him transform from healthy to near death in a matter of seconds made the change all the more awful. Draco was staring at Harry's wand, his face tight with fear and he couldn't seem to breathe. Harry put his wand hastily away. I'm not going to curse you, he said, but Draco still couldn't draw breath, although he was clearly trying to. Harry pulled a chair out from the table and pushed Draco into it. You're okay, he said. I'm sorry I scared you. Draco gasped, his eyes panicked. Harry sat next to him and put his hand on Draco's thin, shivering back. You're okay, he said again, and then he was quiet, letting Draco struggle on without hurrying him. But he kept stroking his hand up and down, up and down Draco's spine, reminding him that he was there. Finally, Draco's breathing steadied. You're angry, he said. No, said Harry. I'm confused, but I'm not angry. I told you, I trust you, Lamb. That's not my name. Maybe it's your nickname now. Don't be absurd. Are you okay? asked Harry. You're not angry, asked Draco. Did you really think I was going to curse you? asked Harry. Draco nodded. Harry tightened his grip around his shoulders and tugged him close. Idiot, he said. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to freak you out. You're not angry. I'm not. So... 
what, you pretended to be Lamarack so you could... I wanted to raise money for charity, said Draco. It was less selfless than it sounds. I wanted people to be nice to my mother after I die. That is selfless, said Harry. Draco shook his head but didn't say anything. All the sympathy Harry had felt for Draco had merged with all the empathy he had felt for Lamarack, and now he was filled with the deepest urge to protect, to help. He leant his head against Draco's. So you're not angry, asked Draco again. Harry put his hands on either side of Draco's face and tilted it towards him. No, he said firmly. This obviously complicates my feelings for you, but I'm not angry. Complicates how? asked Draco, his eyes flicking to Harry's lips. Harry touched his thumb to Draco's mouth. It complicates this, he said, me fancying you. Oh, said Draco. You've liked me for a while, haven't you? Don't be boring. Why didn't you make a move? As Lamarack? Draco broke away, frowning. That would be some pretty dodgy consent, Potter. How do you think you'd feel if you'd found out you'd slept with a Death Eater? <sighs> Complicated, said Harry. That's an understatement, said Draco. Realisation was slowly settling on Harry. You're really going to die? I thought you weren't going to miss me personally, said Draco. Harry shifted uncomfortably. I didn't mean it that way, he said. How did you mean it? I thought it was objectively sad that you were dying, but we weren't, we weren't close, or at least I didn't think we were. Harry rubbed his cheek against Draco's shoulder. I shouldn't have been figuring out my feelings about it with you. I didn't know that was what I was doing. Draco sighed. It's fine, Harry, he stood. Listen, it's all speeding up a bit now, so I don't know if I'll see you again. What? I'll probably be bedbound by the end of the week. I just had to tell you. So, I'll be going now. Oh, and by the way, I'm in love with you. All right, off I go. Lots of sights to see you, things to do. Draco, is this your flu powder? Do you mind if I use some? I'm using some. Draco, hang on. Draco paused with his hands full of flu powder. Yes, Harry? You love me too? Is that it? No, said Harry. Shut up. I thought you had two months. It seems not, said Draco. This is all happening so quickly, said Harry. You always were slow. Shut up. You liked me so much more as Lamarock, said Draco sadly. I didn't... I... This is fucking confusing. Draco sighed. I know. Look, let me know if you decide you love me back, yeah? Draco, I can't... You've had months to process all this. I can't just love you all of a sudden. Because of the mark, said Draco. No, said Harry. Well, a bit. But because you're dying, there's not... There's not time. Draco looked at him with an unreadable expression. Right, he said. You can't love me because I'm dying. I'm dying because you can't love me. Don't be so dramatic, said Harry. Draco grimaced. It would make a difference to me, Harry, if you let yourself. I wasn't even sure I was in love with Lamarack, said Harry helplessly. Draco stared at him for a long moment, then nodded. That's what I expected, he said quietly. So, don't worry about it. Goodbye then, Harry. Don't be ridiculous, I'll come visit you. You don't have to. I want to. I like you, Draco. Draco smiled. Isn't that something, he said, before walking out. Pansy took one look at him and got him a tumbler of whiskey. Bit extreme, Pans, I'm not about to go over the top of the fucking Somme. Just sit down, drink your whiskey like a good boy, and tell me what happened. Draco did as he was told. He had always been rather obedient, in fairness. It was not a trait that had served him well. I told him everything, he said. Everything? Well, not about the curse. Why not? asked Blaze from outside the door, where he had been listening. Christ, said Draco. When I grow up, I'm going to live in a big house all by myself and tell secrets and safety. Pansy's eyes filled with sudden tears. She blinked them back. Blaze opened the door, let himself in, and sat on the floor by Pansy's bed. I'll have a whiskey, Pansy darling, he said. Incidentally, have you always had a bar cart in your bedroom? Should we be concerned? Why didn't you tell him about the curse? asked Pansy, as if Blaze hadn't spoken. He crawled to the bar cart and poured himself a whiskey. Draco shrugged. Because he's worried about how it would make Harry feel, of course, said Astoria from the door. Can Millie come in? She's been sitting in the corridor under a disillusionment charm for hours waiting for you to come back. 
One day I hope to be a reporter, just like my heroine, Rita Skeeter, said Millie, removing her disillusionment charm and sitting on the bed next to Draco. Does Potter love you, then? No, said Draco flatly. And if you told him about the curse, it would prevent him from falling in love with you naturally, said Pansy. Sure, said Draco. More to the point, said Astoria, Harry would then feel responsible for your death if you were unable to break the curse. Draco drank the last of his whiskey and held it out to Pansy for a top-up. Should you be mixing that with your meds? asked Daphne, sidling into Pansy's room and starting to make a round of gin and tonics. Fuck it, said Draco at the same time as Pansy said. I checked, it's fine. At least you didn't cut you open, said Blaze. Remember the last time you showed your feelings to Potter? Who said anything about feelings, said Draco. Draco thinks no one knows he's in love with Potter, said Millie. He thinks it's a big secret. I'll haunt you if you aren't careful, Millie. That's a legitimate threat, said Draco. Your pain potion will be wearing off soon, said Pansy. You should eat something while you still can. Your mother's staying the night. I told her to come at eight. Draco leaned against her. What a fine wife you'll make, Pans. Pansy swatted him and helped him to his feet. The others stayed in her bedroom as they went to the kitchen, where Draco sat on the counter and Pansy rustled through the cupboards. Eggs? Draco shuddered. Toast? Draco shuddered. Draco, you can't only eat applesauce. It's the only thing that doesn't make me gag. Have a boiled egg. I can't. Do another nutrition spell. Pansy sighed, cast a spell over him, it only burnt a little because of the painkillers, and gave him a bowl of applesauce. He might still fall in love with you, she said, as she handed him the spoon. Draco put the bowl down and hopped off the counter so that he could catch her by the elbows. Pans, he said, come on, don't, that's not fair. He could. How did he take it when you told him you were Lamarack? He took it well, but that doesn't mean, the boy's been getting bad nuisance before he had teeth. Don't you dare give up, Draco Malfoy. Think of your mother, think of me. I am tired of hoping. Pansy shut her mouth, shocked. Draco took a few steadying breaths before speaking again, and it worked. He sounded fine. You can hope, if you like, but stop asking me to. It... it makes things harder. He brushed his hair out of his face. God, dying makes me so boring. Am I even funny anymore? Funny looking, said Pansy weakly. Two out of ten. Very poor joke. Neither original nor well executed. Two points for good comic timing, said Draco. Eat your applesauce, said Pansy. By the time he'd finished, his head had started up a dull pounding. The pain reliever was wearing off. At least, he reflected, before it had got too bad, I won't be able to think soon. That was part three of The Bucket List, chapters 9 through 12, written and read by Gala Placidia. Tune in next week for part four. If you enjoyed it, leave a rating on iTunes, and why not share it with a friend who you think will like the show? For more stories by me, head to AO3. I also have an Instagram, at letthemeetbooks, with underscores and some spaces, where I post reviews of the books I read, so please say hello on there. Thank you so much for listening.